This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are you ready to take your business to the next level? Every day there are countless books and articles that are published offering the key on how to make your business a success. It's easy to feel overwhelmed trying to keep up and run your business. That's why Deb Creer created the Business Power Hour. Keep up on the latest trends, best practices, and techniques for how to make your business a success. Let the Business Power Hour do the heavy work for you. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about giving professionals the tools that they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And we really are going to have so much fun today. As I was preparing for this, I thought, you know, I'm kind of interviewing my boss, <laughs> you know, in, in a way, in a way. And so please join me in welcoming Greg Greenberg to our program today. Welcome, Greg. It's great to be here, Deb. And I wouldn't say that you're in my employ. You are one of a member of our beloved podcast family uh, on C-Suite Radio. And I just happen to be the run C-Suite Radio, the general manager of media for C-Suite, and you are on the C-Suite Network, one of our featured, as all of our podcasts are, one of our featured podcasters. So it's very exciting for me to be on your show today. You know, and you and I, oh gosh, I think sometimes we we're, we're in webinars and things at least once a week, um, you know, and, and it's always so much fun because you're in them in a variety of different roles that you have. And, and so that's what's very fun. But then you also have your outside of C-suite life. Um, and we're going to have fun talking about that too. But let me tell people a little about you and then we will dive into this. So as he said, Greg is currently the general manager of media at the C-suite network and host of C-suite TV Insights. See, bet, bet a lot of people didn't know that we even have TV. Prior to joining C-Suite, he was the lead anchor at The Street for more than 13 years. In that position, he interviewed CEOs, fund managers, professional athletes, entrepreneurs, and best-selling authors, both live and on tape. At The Street, he hosted The Real Story podcast and wrote the widely read column, The Five Dumbest Things on Wall Street This Week. Oh my gosh, sometimes I bet you had a hard time narrowing that down. Before becoming the lead anchor at The Street, Greg worked in finance at Lehman Brothers and Fleet Bank. May they rest in peace. He received his MBA at Cornell's Johnson School and his undergraduate degree in history from Amherst College. Outside of journal, yes, he's a very smart dude. Outside of journalism, he wrote and produced the independent film Friends and Romans, starring Michael Rispoli, Annabella Sciorra, and Tony Sirico, oh my, those are fun names to say, and I don't think I probably got any of them right, which won the Napa Valley and Boston Film Festivals in 2015 and received three stars in Newsday. He also wrote and produced a trio of off-Broadway plays titled three, yes, count them three, Clemenza and Tessio Are Dead, The Stella, and Saps. All three premiered at the New York Fringe Festival and sold out their respective runs. So as I said, oh my gosh, Greg, you are quite the Renaissance man. I'm something, yes. <laughs> um, thank you. What a wonderful introduction. I, I, that could, we could end right there and then, I know. And then mom will be happy. <laughs> And, you know, isn't that what's most important? We have to make our mothers happy. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. yes. Right. Mine's 89 and she she listens and she she watches the podcast. So. Well, you know, it's amazing, you know, that the folks in the older generation are, are so adept at technology nowadays. Right. Uh, and 
Uh, you know, I certainly, I still read the, the paper, the newspaper, mm -hmm. it's tangible, but I think I'm the last person in my building. Everyone else just gets it on their iPads and, mm -hmm. and they watch all their, uh, their videos on their mm -hmm. iPads and their phones. Um, but thank you for having me on your show and thank you for the lovely introduction. Yes, yes. Well, you know, I always like to find out how my guests got to where they are today. You know, we just went over a little bit about that. But how is it that at this point in life, you discovered that, you know, all these various things are your passion in life? Because it is several different things. Well, I think, I guess, as you get older, you you sort of are able to narrow down, you know, your, your passions. You're able to really mm -hmm. discern and, and delineate your passions. So mm -hmm. uh, I really didn't know what I wanted to do coming out of a liberal arts college. As you mm -hmm. mentioned, Amherst College, cute little college in Massachusetts, liberal mm -hmm. arts. Um, so I... Uh, I Kind of, I worked for a Japanese company and I bounced around a little bit right after college. Waited tables, very mm -hmm. important. Yeah. Oh, know. yes, yes, yes. You've got that risk thing going. Mm -hmm. Table waiting skills. Uh, and then I went to business school at Cornell. And then after business school, I was at Lehman Brothers mm -hmm. uh, back uh, in the late 90s. And I did well there. But then the tech bubble came around. People forget ah. about the tech bubble because we had the housing mm -hmm. bubble. Mm -hmm. uh, and after the tech bubble, I had to find uh, something new to do because if you remember, they weren't doing IPOs and there was right. the whole .com and everything mm -hmm. was kind of crashing back then. So one of the things I always loved to do and I thought was a, a, a not so secret skill of mine was my ability to write. Mm -hmm. So I got a job over at CNBC, the Financial News Network, mm -hmm. writing the news for them. And over there, I met Jim Cramer, who a lot of people know uh, from Mad Money on CNBC. Mm -hmm. Booyah, he's a big stock prognosticator. Mm -hmm. And he brought me to his website, which was called The Street to write about personal finance and mutual funds. Mm -hmm. And just while I was joining the street was the advent or the, the nascency of internet video. So ah. when I would be writing about a mutual fund manager, mm -hmm. I would have that manager come and we would speak on video. Mm -hmm. And I know today you and I are speaking over Zoom and it mm -hmm. seems old hat, but right. at the time it was a very new occurrence for mm -hmm. people just to go online and interview someone else. And I, over my years at the street, I became the interview guy. Mm -hmm. So it was really wonderful. I was able to interview a lot of interesting CEOs mm -hmm. and authors and, and athletes. And they would come to, to sit with me over at the street, whether it be mm -hmm. Jack Welch or Thomas wow. Friedman, uh, cool. you know, Joseph Stiglitz, a lot of Nobel mm -hmm. Prize winners. And they would come mm -hmm. to my show. Then they go to CNBC or Bloomberg. Mm -hmm. And there was a whole business circuit. Mm -hmm. And I did that for about 13 years. Well, on the side, when I, you know, when I wasn't writing about finance, and as you mentioned, one of my best-known columns was at the street was called "The Five Dumbest Things on Wall Street" this week, mm -hmm. which was always fun to write. Mm -hmm. And on the side, I was writing plays and screenplays mm -hmm. because I, I, I found that's where my passion was. That's right. that was my creative outlet. Mm -hmm. And uh, I wrote some plays. I wrote a movie which was produced, as you mentioned, it was a mob comedy which starred a lot of the members who were on The Sopranos, mm -hmm. including yeah, Tony a lot Sirico. of those Italian names. Holy schmoly! <laughs> <laughs> yes, Tony Sirico, uh, who everyone knows as Paulie Walnuts, was in it. Annabella Sciorra, as you mentioned, mm -hmm. Michael Rispoli. Some a lot of The Sopranos were in my movie, and it was a great experience. And since then, I've continued to write screenplays and and plays and. Um, as you said, sometimes you arrive at your passions later in life. You know, I know when I was younger, I wanted to play sports, but now that I'm older, I like writing things, creative mm -hmm. writing. Right. You know, and, and what I love is that how diverse you are in, in your writing. You know, financial writing is obviously very different than fiction. Well, maybe. <laughs> um, it's supposed to be different. Um, you know, and, and so... Do you find it difficult to switch between or, you know, do they overlap? I mean, I find that very curious because a lot of people focus on one or the other. It's a great question. So my column at the, at the street, which was one of the largest columns on Wall Street at the time, it's called the five things on Wall Street this, street this week. And that allowed me to kind of put an edge, have a snarky mm -hmm. view, make some jokes. So mm -hmm. I was able to write very creatively mm -hmm. with that business column, which, which suited me very well, mm -hmm. my, my sense of humor. Uh, and it wasn't a dry business column. Mm -hmm. I've written enough of those as well. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to my, uh, my creative writing outside of work, uh, yeah, I really find that when you open up the, the, the newspapers, as I said, I read them like this. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, but there's a whole lot of stories out there. Mm -hmm. And you just have to find one that you're passionate about and write about it. So, mm -hmm. for example, 
my first play was called Clemenza and Tessio are dead. Mm-hmm. And what I did is I rewrote The Godfather, just like Tom Stoppard rewrote uh, Hamlet in mm-hmm. Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. Right. So I kind of used that concept. And, mm-hmm. and I wrote that as a play. It was my first play. And it ended up being in the Fringe Festival and then mm-hmm. produced. And it's been produced a few times in the last you know, 10, 15 years. And then from that, I wrote a, a, a screenplay. So I think you have also have to keep pushing yourself. Mm-hmm. And I guess at some point of our, of our conversation, we can talk about it is during COVID, mm-hmm. I was worried that people would never be able to put up plays again. So I right. wrote a, a book of short stories mm-hmm. called Effing Argentina and 10 More Tales of Exasperation. I so love it. I, and I had a fun time writing that book as mm-hmm. well. So I think you draw on your life experiences mm-hmm. and you push yourself mm-hmm. and eventually you'll, and it could be writing or it could be acting or it could be dancing. Mm-hmm. You just have to find your creative place. And it's, mm-hmm. it's really important as you get older. Mm-hmm. Right. So let's talk about the book. Um, I love it. I thought it was so funny. And, you know, you talk about telling your stories and that's really what the book is, um, you know, and, and yeah, it's got that word in it, you know, but we'll say it is effing, effing Argentina and 10 more tales of exasperation. And it was so fun reading it partially because I read a lot of business books for the podcast and it was so not a business book. <laughs> and it was a very quick read too. Well, there are some business lessons in there. Yes. So just so you know, the, uh, the, the, how the book came about is that uh, when I was reading the, the Wall Street Journal one day over the course of the, 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 the COVID, we were quarantined. My family was locked away somewhere. Mm-hmm. I saw an article about how the country of Argentina mm-hmm. uh, once again was, might have gone bankrupt and, mm-hmm. and BlackRock, which is a major American bank, mm-hmm. you know, was owed about $500 million. And they were teed off at the, the nation of Argentina who might have defaulted or devalued mm-hmm. their currency. And I said, you know, it's an interesting thought that, you know, what would happen if you anthropomorphize all these, these mm-hmm. entities and right. you made Argentina a person mm-hmm. and the bank a person? Mm-hmm. And one day Argentina came to knock on my door and said, mm-hmm. you know, hey. Can you, you know, loan hey, me a bit? Can you loan me 500 million? I owe BlackRock. Mm-hmm. And and I was just thinking that, you know, how that would play out, because, you know, in the very end, that's exactly what happened is, mm-hmm. is, you know, Argentina, they owed BlackRock money and they got to just like if you or I owed money to someone, mm-hmm. you have to find a way to pay someone off, right. pay your debts. Mm-hmm. And, and I turned that into a story and I sent that story around. Then I said, you know something, it's exasperating. It must be very exasperating for the folks at BlackRock, mm-hmm. you know, and they're probably saying F and Argentina owes us money. Mm-hmm. So they're exasperated. And I thought there's prob- probably a lot of other ways that people are exasperated, especially during COVID. Right. And I, and I ended up coming up with 10 more and I put them into a nice little book. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and, and it was cute. I mean, some were clearly your personal experiences. Um, because, well, at least your family names were in there. Um, you know, and, and then there were others that, that, you know, that weren't. Uh, you know, I have to admit, as a person who has dogs, I love the Baxter story. Um, you know, I just thought that was so cute. And and we have beagles. So people always rush up to them and okay. say, can we pet your dog? Can we pet your dog? And, you know, and, and we have one named Diva and she is, um, you know, and, and she would be the one that would say, you know, don't effing touch me. <laughs> you know? Well, that's, that's a fun story. So once again, all the stories about little exasperating slice mm-hmm. of life mm-hmm. stories, if you will, that happens to me. And I live on the Upper East Side, so there's a certain uh, Upper East Side view of the world, mm-hmm. if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, some some people could say it's Woody Allen-esque. I don't know if you want to say that as much anymore. Yeah. But with that particular story, it's about a, a person like myself who's walking their, their child to school, and someone with a dog on a leash, mm-hmm. a leash just lets the dog run up to the kid. Right. And the, because the it's kid, a friendly dog. Yeah, but the kid is scared. And the, and the person with the dog and the leash doesn't kind of realize that they're more worried about their own dog. And they don't see the fright in the kid's right. face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so um, it, and, and it, it unfolds from there. And mm-hmm. it's just one of those ways where, you know, the, the, the parent of the kid wanted to tell the person mm-hmm. who's walking the dog in a nice way, right. get your effing dog out of my mm-hmm. kid's face. Right. The kid is frightened. Mm-hmm. And it happens a lot in New York. I'll tell you that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and you know, it, it happens not just with, with dogs. I mean, sometimes with people, too. You know, they get in our space. And, yes. and you know, especially now, you know, um, you know, it's like, no, no, social distance, social distance. 
Yes. I feel like I should carry a stick, right? You know, the six foot stick to keep. Yes, a measuring home. stick. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and but you know, it it really was it as you. It's almost like the stories were parables, because we could, I think, in in all instances, put ourselves in those situations. Um, yes, I yes I am divine, Deb. Thank you. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and and I mean, it was it was funny. It was especially funny when I realized that some of them were about your family. Um, the drive through one was hilarious. Um, you know, and, that's a and, fun and, story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean yeah. that that one is that one is basically it's a story about mm-hmm. um, a person like myself, you know, and driving the family down from New York to visit relatives mm-hmm. outside Washington D.C. over Thanksgiving, and I had to uh, as the parent, and I know my my dad had to do it as well. Oh yeah, you're, mm-hmm. you're driving the family. The kids are in the back, and they're loud, and you tell them to shut up. Mm-hmm. You know, reaching back. Yeah, you know, don't make me stop this car. Hit, yes, on the Jersey Turnpike. <laughs> Don't make me pull over onto the elbow. Uh, so, and it was one of those things where everyone's real hungry, and mm-hmm. you finally get the food that you really wanted because you're driving the car and you haven't eaten since lunch, and you worked. Mm-hmm. Before you left, mm-hmm. and, you, and the and you just don't get what you want, and and how frustrating or exasperating it is. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. So it, I think a lot of parents have have mm-hmm. felt that exasperation, and I'm glad you were able to mm-hmm. to, to recapture that exasperation. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, and the funny thing is, I'm not a parent, um, but you know, I know that I did that to my parents, um, and you know, and and even just you know, my husband and I, you know, we go through the drive-throughs. And yeah, we're starving to death and you know, all these things. And then you open it, it's like, this isn't what I ordered. <laughs> yes. It's a, it's a major decision when you pull up to speak into the clown's mouth and, and, yes. and decide what you want. You, there's no turning back because there's cars beeping behind you. Oh, I know. And you can't turn back. You're stuck. You know, they've got you in those, those you know, the, the little things, um, you know, and, and yeah, it's just it, and it, I, I found it fascinating that you wrote it during COVID because some of the things were, of course, exacerbated because of COVID, and and you know, and 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 we're still trying to figure out where the heck we're going. Yeah, you know the the, the stories. There's some surreal ones like uh, effing Argentina, which I'm I'm taking a whole country and turning it into a person. Mm-hmm. And there's another surreal story where I turned Officer Krupke from West Side mm-hmm, Story mm-hmm. into a person and he's visiting his agent. Right. And his agent is trying to get rid of him because he's got no parts for Officer Krupke. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, there's there's ones which are a bit more lifelike. So, for example, one of the first ones is it called um, Weinberger's Back to School Night, mm-hmm. where it's about a guy who's my age. He's divorced, although I'm not divorced. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he goes to his his son's back to school night mm-hmm. uh, and he's just really tired. And it turns out that everyone in the class, all the parents in the class, they just keep raising their hands right. and, and asking ask, stupid questions that only pertain to their particular mm-hmm. child. So mm-hmm. and it really frustrates him to no end. It exasperates him to no end. You know, and he calls them me questions because they only have to deal with the person asking right. the question. So it, at the end, he's like effing me questions. Mm-hmm. And, and there's some twists in that particular story. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed writing that one because mm-hmm. once again, it's another slice of life mm-hmm. here on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. Right, right. But it really can happen anywhere. I mean, you yes. know, that's that's the thing is, you know, when we start thinking about what makes a good story, it really is that it could happen to anybody. Um, you know, your circumstance could change and you could be in that, you know, in that position. I mean, all these things, uh, you know, and. A part of it, you know, like I'm, I'm a huge science fiction fan. And so I always love thinking, oh gosh, you know, if I were, but you know, it's it, the, the stories are all, you know, you've got your heroes, you've got your heroines, you've got something happening and then a resolution. I mean, you know, that's, that's well, what the stories are. Well, it was really my first entree into writing short stories mm-hmm. and, and, you know, there's a, there's a certain style to it. So some of my favorite short story authors uh, I mentioned Woody Allen before. He used to write some short story books. Right. I mean, he's so prolific. He wrote mm-hmm. Without Feathers and some of the mm-hmm. other ones. Uh, and my humor certainly has a lot of, of Woody in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, yeah, I like P.G. Woodhouse, who mm-hmm. wrote the Jeeves stories, the Bertram Wooster Jeeves mm-hmm. stories. And there's always a little twist at the end where mm-hmm. the butler Jeeves has to get Bertie Wooster out of trouble. Right. Uh, and I like the... Um, the Sholem Aleichem stories, mm-hmm. uh, which ended up turning into Fiddler on the Roof. Those are called mm-hmm. the Tevye stories. And I was reading those over the course of, uh, mm-hmm. of, the, of the COVID. So I was reading a lot of short stories. And there's a certain uh, cadence to them. You got to start with the problem and you got to have a, a twist at the end. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all within 15 or so pages right. or 
or okay. something to that effect. Mm -hmm. So, the, you know, just like when you write a movie script, mm -hmm. generally they say in a movie script, it'll be about 90 pages. You have, and then you break it down into thirds. So mm -hmm. 30, you know, you establish your characters mm -hmm. and then the middle of 30, you know, everything starts going well for the mm -hmm. character. And then in the final 30, things go wrong. And at the end you have a resolution. Right. So there's, there's a certain process for short story writing, which I really had to kind of hone over the course of COVID, which ended up being these 11 stories. Right. Yeah. Because if you're writing a novel, you get very descriptive. But in yeah. the short story, people are filling in the blanks themselves. And you have to write it in a way that they can fill those in and it still makes sense. Yes. Uh, I, I don't I don't have the the temperament to write a novel. I mean, I, I suppose <laughs> in, in my in my writing evolution, going from play to screenplay to short stories, I mm -hmm. suppose a novel would be somewhere in the distance. But there's a lot of words in a novel. Mm -hmm. I mean, the beauty of writing a screenplay is it's it's mostly dialogue and a few stage directions. Same thing with a play. Right. But when you when you're talking novels, there's a lot mm -hmm. of words, mm -hmm. adjectives, adverbs, nouns. I know. Oi, oi, you know all this that stuff that you got to put in there. <laughs> And those in there. I know. You know, and I think one of the things that that I loved reading, you know, when I was was reading about this was, you know, as as we said at the start, I know you through C-suite. And, you know, and, and in many cases, you know, in most in all cases, I mean, you know, you're very professional. You know, a lot of times the tie. Yep. Yep. You know, and, and especially like when you're doing TV interviews and things like that. And this was a whole different side of you. And I just thought that was so fun to, to kind of find out, oh, my gosh, Greg isn't always the, the suit and tie guy. Well, when I'm, you know, when I'm doing my interviews, mm -hmm. then I'm going to dress accordingly. Yes. I'm on your show and I need to cash today. I casual. love it. Mm -hmm. I wanted to, to dress writerly, you know, so yes, I, mm -hmm. I'm in my my own home, which is, you know, my kitchen is, we're, we're all working out of our homes, at least mm -hmm. for the next foreseeable few months or weeks <laughs> or whenever Omicron dies down. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, once again, I, I think one of the things, and I'm, I, I have my kids there in uh, junior high school and high school, mm -hmm. and, and, and it's hard. And I encourage my kids not to um, be afraid of of pursuing their creative side, because mm -hmm. especially mm -hmm. when, you know, I have young boys mm -hmm. and it's easy and I know when I was in high school, I wouldn't have gone for the drama club or done anything like that because I was an athlete. I played soccer, right. basketball. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to hang out with the theater kids or or, or talk about mm -hmm. uh, you know science fiction movies mm -hmm. or something like that. I was in my own lane right. as an athlete. And then you get to college and you realize there's there's a whole other world out there that allows you to be yourself. Mm -hmm. But then to a certain extent, after college, you kind of get narrowed back again because you have right. to find a job and concentrate mm -hmm. on that job and make sure you do that job well. Mm -hmm. So once again, it takes a little bit of time as you get older to say, you know, I have a little bit extra time mm -hmm. now. I'm securing my job. I got a family. The kids can go play by themselves. Mm -hmm. I can pursue one of my passions. And, that, and right. I certainly encourage that. And that's what I, I've done. And I encourage mm -hmm. other people to do that as well. Right. Now, you know, you mentioned that you wrote it during COVID. Do you think if you had, you know, if we hadn't had this forced lockdown, you know, would you have written a book or would it have been still the I'll do it at some point type of thing? I, I think that's a that's a really fantastic question. Uh, I probably I was feeling a lot of exasperation. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that the COVID really uh, calcified or really uh, brought things, uh, you know, focused my mind into what drives me crazy. Mm -hmm. So. From that perspective, the COVID was very healthy for me, finding, you know, 11 things which really drove me nuts. And once again, mm -hmm. these are not world-ending things. You know, the fact that at the drive-in, your kids are driving you nuts and you, you've got the wrong uh -huh. condiment on your, on your burger. I mean, that is not going to end the world. No. That said, it is frustrating at the mm -hmm. time. So I was able, because of my shortened fuse due to mm -hmm. COVID, because I, I really felt like any moment I could lose it. And you can ask my kids and they'll verify that. They'll vouch for it. <laughs> Uh, because I did feel so short fused, mm -hmm. uh, I was able to, to identify a number of things which were irritating me, frustrating mm -hmm. me, exasperating me. Um, but whether or not it was COVID, which maybe go to the particular short story mm -hmm. form, maybe I would have gotten there eventually. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, that, you know, we did hear a lot about people who all of a sudden had extra time. You know, a big part of it was no commute. Um, you know, for many people, they gained 
several hours every day. Ten pounds. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, we we everybody had the COVID nineteen, right? Um, you know, and so you know, and and we also discovered that working from home, and and I've worked from home for twenty some years, but you know, for for the people who you know were used to being in that office, there were you know the a, an awful lot of time there was you know the chit chat time, the talking to people at the coffee maker all of those things. And, and so when you took those out, an eight hour day went to six hours. You were like, whoa, I got everything done in six hours. Now what the heck do I do? Um, Cause we don't always spend time with those kids. Uh. <laughs> you know? um, but it, you know, it, it gave people the time to really stop and think. And, and I think that's why we saw like the great resignation and, and all of those things. It, people really stopped to think, okay, what is my passion and what do I want to be doing? And, and maybe it's, because there was a kind of a life and death element in all of this that made us think, Ooh, you know, if, if things change tomorrow, you know, what, and, and, you know, you talk with a lot of executives and, and very high level people, what do they say about all of this? Because they're kind of the ones that can't just jump ship. <laughs> you know, they've, they've got to stay there and, and be running. I think you're right. There's a, there's a certain uh, double-edged sword about this whole working from home, the ability to work from home. Cause I know that, in, in one respect, you eliminate the commute as you're right, and you mm-hmm. free up time. But on the other hand is, is when, when, when you're worried that, that you think that people are thinking you're not working because mm-hmm. you're home, right. you work harder. Mm-hmm. So if you say, well, you know, well, they, they probably think I'm, I'm just, you know, watching mm-hmm. reruns or, or watching the market or, mm-hmm. or you know, people can't see that I'm at my desk working, right. so mm-hmm. I better work harder or else they'll catch me or mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, what if someone zooms me when I'm not there? They're going to think, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. then I'm, I'm at the gym. Mm-hmm. So to a certain extent, you, you work harder or maybe you just work in bursts harder at home be, because you worry that other people are going to think you're not working because you're working from home. Mm-hmm. However strange that sounds. I'm going to have to, I'm on the yeah, replay. I, I'm I, I understood what you meant. I mean, right, yeah. As long as you understood what I meant, that's mm-hmm. what counts, Deb. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but on the other hand, you're absolutely right. It does open up. Uh, a whole pocket of extra time, especially you're not having to to do the commute and worry mm-hmm. about the commute and make sure your tie is right. Mm-hmm. You can literally just pull on your sweats and go to the couch and mm-hmm. it saves you a lot of time. Right. And that with that time, if you use it wisely, mm-hmm. you can create something else, whether mm-hmm. it be improving on your job or something, you know, maybe mm-hmm. with your own personal pursuit. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, it was interesting. I talked to somebody and this was back in 2020 when we were still, you know, really in the, the midst of things. And she hated that she lost her commute time because that was when she listened to podcasts, um, you know, and, and she said, you know, she just loved that. And she felt guilty doing that when she was home, you know, or she'd get interrupted and things like that. And so she started having faux commutes. You know, if, if she normally commuted 30 minutes, she would drive 15 minutes and then come back 15 minutes. So she still had, you know, she wasn't, you know, breaking quarantine or doing any of those things that we weren't supposed to do, but she still had that me time, um, you know, where she was able to do that. And I think that's one of the things that people are still having to adjust to. Well, from a business perspective, the whole world really was was changed because a lot of people thought that because you couldn't go to restaurants and stores, mm-hmm. everything would fall apart. But right. what you found is the elevation of delivery services for mm-hmm. food and and <clears throat> shopping online, mm-hmm. and, and people were looking around their houses, and everyone thought, "Wow, people are going to they can't go to work, so they're going to be in financial trouble." Mm-hmm. But people were still working at home, and they were right. looking around their house, and they're saying, "I want to fix the drapes. I want to mm-hmm. add a new couch." And mm-hmm. people were shopping more, which was mm-hmm. surprising. Even to the economists and all these Wall Street people that mm-hmm. forecast things that were going to go down. Right. If you look at the the, the S and P last year, it was up at twenty nine percent after a, a high teens performance mm-hmm. the year before, and so all the the, the, the so called smart people they totally missed what would happen if you shut down the economy right. and, and and kept people at mm-hmm. home. So and. They certainly didn't foresee me or anyone writing a book like Effing Argentina. Right, right. Yes. None yes. of the smart people saw that. No, they nobody thought that was going to happen. You know, and and I think that's so true that they didn't know what was going to happen. And you know, it's it's funny because as Americans, especially, I think, you know, we've been known for our resiliency. 
you know, you tell me you got to take off your shoes and do this and this and this before you get on an airplane. And we go, okay. <laughs> and, and now it's second nature. Um, now, granted, I've got clear and, you know, it's not like we fly that much anymore, but, you know, you do, you adapt. And I think that's what we saw with the businesses that failed or succeeded was they adapted. Um, you know, I have friends who, who also live in New York and, and they said, all of the ones that all of a sudden had tables out on the street and New yeah. York itself, of course, you know, made it possible, you know, by, by changing how the street flow was and, and things like that. Um, you know, clearly that can't last. And, and I think it's probably gone back to normal, but, but yeah, people just adapted. Yeah. I think the long tail effects of COVID were, you know, we're going to be seeing for years mm-hmm. and whether it be out outdoor dining or mm-hmm. uh, it, it, the, the end of a lot of, of commercial office mm-hmm. space, uh, mm-hmm. Or or the changing in the ways people commute. Right. It's mm-hmm. quite frankly, the public transit still hasn't come back to normal because mm-hmm. people are either worried about Omicron or they're mm-hmm. they're they're working from home. Mm-hmm. So I think that the as you mentioned, you know, I think the long term effects of COVID are going to be felt for years. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, and it's been interesting. And and but I certainly was wrong in the very beginning. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and as a lot of people were, they didn't see an economic boom as a result mm-hmm. of it. Right. You know, and, you know, we all have to laugh that they had said two weeks, be fine in two weeks. Yeah. And, and of course, we all went and no, um, you know, I, I, I don't think that is especially initially, nobody saw that it was going to be at least two years. Um, you know, I think my original thought was a year, you know, it was going to take a year for everything to, you know, flare up and then, you know, get back to normal. And of course, normal is not happening anymore either. Well, certainly the, the world has, has changed over the past two years. I mean, mm-hmm. you had a lot of the BLM marches, you mm-hmm. had January 6th, mm-hmm. and now you have uh, Russia uh, and Ukraine. So uh, there's some some very, and, and you have rate hikes on the way mm-hmm. this year, you know, interest rates are finally going to be heading mm-hmm. in the other direction. So there has been some really tectonic shifts mm-hmm. uh, economically, right. politically, mm-hmm. uh, just um, even in sports, you know, mm-hmm. to Tom Brady's retiring. Things are changing, right. Deb. And, and Kansas hard, City hard Chiefs lost. <laughs> and your Braves, your Braves won the World Series a few years I ago. Know. Things, I things know. Things are really getting crazy. Yeah. And, and then, you know, Georgia football. I mean, you know, it's, it's funny. Um, you know, so, and, and, you know, that, that really was one of those weird things. I think they researched it. And the last time a major area, won two national championships was like 1922. Um, you know, I know, and, I know that SEC football mm-hmm. is big down where you oh, are. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know, and I'm still a university of Colorado it's person. Excuse me. I'm still a university of Colorado person. Oh, you're um, a Buffalo. I didn't know a you Buffalo. Were Buffalo, you know, and, and so it's, and yeah, SEC and ACC. I mean, you know, you, you add those two in there and yeah. Football, especially, is a religion down here, and um, and then you toss in the Braves. Yeah, then we might have a football team. You know, things well, like that. You know, once again, New York, New York hasn't had any any professional sports to speak of in the last few years. Our, our soccer team did well, NYCFC. But other than that, we should talk about business as opposed to professional sports in New York because the Mets, the Yankees, the Knicks, the Nets, Islanders. Jets mm-hmm. certainly, and the Giants—they're all a mess. So I know. See, and, and I'll just I'll either pick Georgia. For, for doing stuff or, you know, my, my Colorado avalanche are doing really pretty well too. All right. The abs. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you know, it's just, I think one of the things also with all of this is we've discovered that it's fun to talk with people about other things. Um, you know, I talk a lot on my program, obviously about the fact that we work with people we know we like, we trust and, you know, and, and, and we're expanding that because we're not seeing them in person. So, you know, we're reading it online, um, you know, and we're, we're talking about it in Zoom and, and things like that. And even, you know, just looking around and seeing what's behind people. Um, you know, I've, I've got several little are, critters and, you know, things those, like that. Those are interesting points because it's one of those things they, uh, you know, you really can't choose your neighbors. I, right. I, remember, they, I remember I once went to, uh, to Finland uh, mm-hmm. and they were to- talking about the Soviet Union next door and they said, well, you can't choose your neighbors. And it's similar, you know, in mm-hmm. work, you really, you don't really get a chance most mm-hmm. of the time, unless you're doing the hiring, is, mm-hmm. is to choose the people you work right. with. Mm-hmm. So, and, and and you don't really always know that much mm-hmm. about them because you're right. seeing them in the workplace and you mm-hmm. want to keep the work at work and the home mm-hmm. at home. 
But I think there's been a greater consideration for people. Right now, I'm speaking to you from my house. There's a good mm-hmm. chance that a kid might walk by. Mm-hmm. And I think that the 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 line between work and home, uh, people have grown, uh, have developed a greater consideration right. for it. So, so mm-hmm. for example, if someone's kid buzzes or, or drops mm-hmm. something, I think people are, are more tolerant because right. they know it could happen mm-hmm. to them. Mm-hmm. So I think mm-hmm. from a, a, a having some uh, confidence or mm-hmm. uh, some give or take for, for the people you work with, uh, just some greater appreciation for them. I think you're making a very good point is that now I know what other people are going through in their homes as they work. Mm-hmm. And, and I think they have the same consideration right. and appreciation as, mm-hmm. as I do. And it's kind of fun. You know, it, it's funny. I just had this discussion yesterday on Facebook because, you know, I was bemoaning the fact that it's been two years and people still don't know how to be professional on Zoom. So then, of course, it flared up into what the heck was professional. Um, you know, and, and part of that was, OK, you know, you need to figure out how to put your camera so that we're not looking up your nose. We're not looking at the ceiling, you know, the side of your head, all of these things. And, and, and then people said, well, what about kids and, and pets? And I said, I got to tell you. I like that. I like it when the the kid wanders through, the pet strolls across the desk. Um, you know, I, I've been known to talk to them. I had somebody the other day I was was uh, having, it was uh, just a kind of a quick little online thing and his three-year-old needed attention. And I said, okay, bring him in, you know, and, and because he was trying to shush him, I said, no, 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 no. You know, and and so I talked to the the little kid, and and I said, now tell me what you're doing. And he said, you know, Grandma came and fed him lunch. I mean, it was just the cutest thing. But part of it was, I thought, you know, he needs to get used to this format. Um, right. You know, and and but but yeah, it, it's you know, to me, unprofessional is you know, you still have the unmade bed behind you and yes. things like that. Um, you know, and, well, you and, know, you know, you or you're giving someone a look into your life, a closer mm-hmm. look than they've right. ever seen before. Mm-hmm. So you 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 want to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hopefully it's, you know, this is mm-hmm. my, a wall behind me. Hopefully mm-hmm. someone appreciates the, the artwork. Yes. You know. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Target had target sells art too. I so, know. Um, Hobby lobby. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but yes, yeah, so we, 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 we have seen more into other people's mm-hmm. lives than we ever thought we will. Mm-hmm. And right. um, I, and I'm not sure we're going to turn back. We're going to find yeah. out. And and people are, are learning that everyone's a TV star nowadays mm-hmm. through zoom. Yep. Oh yes. We're just all here. Um, you know, and, and I think one of the things that I have found is, is I love the online networking part. Now, part of it is, you know, I, I laugh and I joke, I don't have to put shoes on. Um, but, you know, I haven't been to an in-person networking event since before COVID started. Um, and here in Georgia, people aren't real big on masks and social distancing. You know, that's fine. Works for them. Doesn't work for me. I miss the social aspect of seeing the people eating the Georgia catering. Holy schmoly. Um, you know, and, and, but for me to be able to meet with people from around the world, sitting at my desk, that's fabulous. Yeah. You know, the, the C-suite network. So mm-hmm. I, I run C-suite radio and C-suite media, mm-hmm. but the C-suite network, we used to have a lot of events over the course right. of the year, small mm-hmm. events and big events. And mm-hmm. it was always nice seeing people in person mm-hmm. and getting to, to see them again after mm-hmm. A long absence, and you hear speakers, mm-hmm. and and I certainly miss that as well. I think we're going to be coming back to that over mm-hmm. the course of the next few months because people do need to, as Barbara Streisand said, people need people. Right. You know, those are the luckiest people in the world. Mm-hmm. So uh, we are coming back to that. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, what we have certainly found is that online networking mm-hmm. uh, is tremendous because right. you, you you don't have to worry about parking, you don't have to worry mm-hmm. about feeding five hundred. <laughs> you, don't have to worry, you don't have to worry about so many things if you're all gathering over mm-hmm. Zoom. You don't have to worry about people being loud or people banging mm-hmm. in the next room. Everyone just comes to the Zoom, mm-hmm. uh, the Zoom conference room, and you can speak. So it's going to be a mix of that going mm-hmm. forward. It's just we're just going to see what's it going to, which way it's going to be: more Zoom, less in person, mm-hmm. or more in person, less Zoom. And we're going to be working that out over the course mm-hmm. of certainly my life. Right. You know, and, and I mean, that's one of the things to, to brag about C-Suite. I mean, they pivoted almost right away. Um, you know, I think you guys started having online the next week. You know, we well, shut necessity, down. Necessity, yeah. is, mm-hmm. necessity oh, yeah. is certainly the mother yeah. of, of yeah. invention. Yeah. You know, and, 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 you know, I was looking at my calendar. I have three C-Suite events this week. 
Now I try to not, I mean, like, you know, two is, you know, because you really should be doing real work stuff, but, um, you know, it's networking is real work. Is, well, networking and, is real. and the good programs, um, you know, and, and I think that's one of the things, whether it's through C-suite or, or wherever, I think that's one of the things people are looking for. And, and the cool thing is we're able to find it, you know, we're able to find that, you know, we never could have seen a speaker, you know, you know, in, in certain circumstances, without traveling to them, without, you know, the big expense, all of those things. And now we can see those fabulous people, whatever the organization is. And it's great. I mean, I remember as a kid watching the Jetsons and you only Mm -hmm. dreamed about having phone calls, you know, where your boss Mm -hmm. would call you on a screen and he, Mm -hmm. and George. And we all thought, oh, that's the silliest thing in the world. Mm -hmm. And, And now we can do it. Uh, but I, I am looking forward to, as you mentioned, you know, the time when we can get together. For, maybe not as much, but it, it will be mm-hmm. fun when we can finally all get right. together a little bit more. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I think hybrid, especially for events, is definitely going to be the key because we can definitely, you know, participate from afar. And, um, you know, and and so we don't have to have the travel expense. And I think a lot of companies are going to, you know, they have saved so much money by not doing that, that that's, you know, but I I was talking with somebody uh, for the podcast last week, and we were talking about the fact that at a conference, the best part of the conference is usually what happens in the hall. You know, it's, it's who you're meeting with. And so back to that whole social aspect. Yeah. Most, most deals don't get done in the conference room. They get done on the golf course or, you know, Mm -hmm. or at the, at the water cooler or something to that effect. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I think, we're gonna we're gonna see how it all plays out. We're mm-hmm. st- it's still, as they say on Wall Street, in the early innings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and and of course we have no idea, you know, because it's it's one of those things where the you know where where COVID can do all sorts of things. I mean, you know, and 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 who knows what could come up. But as I said, you know, we just adapt and and we go on, um, you know, and and it's it's fun and and it's it 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 has been a challenge. I mean, especially for people who are very social. But I've also heard introverts say it's been very hard on them too, because they actually get more introverted. Understood. And and certainly I have kids and when the kids were out of school, that was really a hard, hard time. Mm-hmm. But, you know, to go back to the things that we offer at the C-Suite Network, we offer podcasting, which is a way for people to, to speak and they can, mm-hmm. everyone can be a radio star now, maybe mm-hmm. not as big as you, but everyone can be a radio star now. People can put their own videos and share their mm-hmm. own videos. People mm-hmm. can network and it's not just a C-suite network. It's right. a lot of different networking organizations. Mm-hmm. So even when you're trapped at home nowadays, mm-hmm. there's so many different ways for people easily to have the technology to, to get out. And, you know, my mom, my mother lives alone and she's mm-hmm. uh, out on about an hour away on Long mm-hmm. Island. But the technology now is easy enough so she can figure out Zoom. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so she can speak to her grandkids mm-hmm. wherever they are. So right. the technology has, has really kept people together mm-hmm. during a difficult time. Right. You know, and, and I love that it has, in so many ways, brought us together into a much smaller world. Um, I, I don't know how this happened, but I had two podcasts in a row in like a, a five-day span where I interviewed these absolutely lovely, delightful gentleman in Dublin. I, you know, I told him, I said, obviously something's trying to tell me to get back to my roots and I need to come visit Dublin again. Um, but, you know, and, and, and they looked at me and they saw the red hair and the freckles and they, they said, yes, yes. Um, but yeah, you know, and, and that's of course the beauty of technology. Um, you know, long ago when I started this, it was a live broadcast. I trotted my little self down to a studio and my guest. How, guests long, you, how tro- long have you been doing the, the power hour? Um, so it started actually as a different format. Um, I, we started as the socialite and talked about social media. So it was a little over 10 years ago when social media really started kicking up and, you know, that was, and so I went into the studio, it was a studio in Denver and my guests came in and we talked about, um, uh, social media and how to use it as a business tool. Then it kind of evolved. I moved. (laughs) You know, so that it made the commute just a little bit long. Um, right. But then we did it as still a live broadcast. We used Skype and, you know, worked most of the time. But of course, when it failed, it failed spectacularly. Um, you know, and, and so then we really went to pre-recording, which is fantastic because, you know, we can do these at any point in time. 
that's why I can have international guests, things like that. Uh, and my producer, you know, bless her, we get a whole bunch. I, I recorded five last week. And so we, you know, we'll do a whole bunch, get it ahead. And then, you know, I've got a couple of weeks off and then she, you know, gets me going again. But, um, you know, it's it, that. And, and I think that's part of why podcasting has taken off is technology has, has done such wonderful things, um, you know, and, and we're able to f- find guests from around the world on subjects. You know, there's anybody who says I, there's, I can't find anything to listen to. Obviously, they're not trying. There's a whole lot of podcasts mm-hmm. out there. But the important thing, Deb, is that when you make appointments, interview these people, mm-hmm. just tell them. There's only one time zone. It's Eastern time zone. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because that I found is one of the hardest things about this whole COVID thing is you have people on the West Coast and oh, mm-hmm. Europe and they oh, what you have to match up the time zones. Mm-hmm. I tell people there is only one time and it's Eastern EST, Eastern time zone. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. that's everyone out there and listening to the, the power hour, just remember that. Yeah, it's it's very complicated, especially since we're from Colorado. So that's two hours. My mother's one hour behind. I never know where I am. I'm like Waldo. I don't know where I am. Um, Keep it yeah. simple. Mm-hmm. Eastern yeah, time. Just Eastern. Yep. I know. I know. So, you know, I love let's talk a little C-suite business here. Um, Absolutely. You know, when I started and it's been about four years ago, I started with with C-suite. I, you know, there was 50 ish podcasts. Um, I don't believe you were even there, um, you know, and, and now, I mean, the goal is a, a, a wonderful, fabulous goal. I'm not sure what it, what it is. So I'm you know, take over the world. Of course, yes, that's it. World, world domination, like yes. picky in the brain. Yes. Yes. You know, and so it's been fun to watch C-suite grow, um, you know, and, 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 you know, it was growing before COVID, but of course that just kind of, um, it, you know, accelerated a lot of things. And, you know, and, and so, yeah, we've got all the podcasts um, and then C-Suite TV. So talk to us a little bit about C-Suite TV, because I think a lot of people really don't realize it exists. Yeah, it's what we found over the course of the last, I, I've been with C-Suite about three and a half or so years. Mm-hmm. Um, so I met Jeffrey Hazlett, who's the C- CEO mm-hmm. of C-Suite. Uh, he was a guest on my show when I was at the street. Mm-hmm. He was talking about one of his books. Mm-hmm. And then he brought me over a few years ago to try and grow the media business. Mm-hmm. Because uh, they were trying to find ways to get more podcasts mm-hmm. and more TV shows. And what we found is, is because of the boom in podcasts, that's really taken a lot of our attention. Mm-hmm. So as you said, we had about 50 podcasts about three years ago. Now we have mm-hmm. over 350 mm-hmm. and we help people monetize them. A lot of people think mm-hmm. they're going to become uh, big radio stars and make a lot of money from advertising. No, it's not. It's not that <laughs> easy. I mean, and one of the things I always tell people is like, mm-hmm. you got to do it like Deb does it because you enjoy it. Mm-hmm. If you think you're going to, you, you have a, a gregarious mm-hmm. personality and, and people like you and people are going to uh, listen to you. It's, it's hard to get an audience. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really hard to get an audience. So you really have to mm-hmm. love speaking to people mm-hmm. and cause you have to get it edited. You got to put it out there. There's mm-hmm. some work involved to getting a weekly yep. uh, podcast or a biweekly podcast. Mm-hmm. So that's really grown uh, organically for, you know, for us, we've done a great job of growing that from the video content. That's a little bit tougher to monetize because mm-hmm. one thing that we've noticed is, is that people can just put their their video up on their own sites mm-hmm. or on YouTube. Right. I do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's hard to make money in uh, from from it's hard to monetize video content as mm-hmm. easily as it is right now to mm-hmm. monetize radio, which is interesting, though, because. You know, a lot of people thought that, you know, radio was dying, you know, because mm-hmm. no one's really driving their cars as much or people right. don't really pay attention to radio as mm-hmm. much because satellite radio. Mm-hmm. So it just turns out that you have this big boom in podcasts mm-hmm. where there's a million podcasts, though there's a lot of churn. A lot of people mm-hmm. stop and new oh, yeah. people start. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do have C-Suite TV, which is where, a place where people can put up their video content and share mm-hmm. it. Uh, but generally, right now, a lot of our focus and, and, and our profits have come from the, the podcasting side, mm-hmm. just because right. just like this show. Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, you do the, the program insights. And I love it because usually it starts as a webinar. So we all get to participate and see, you know, the discussion. And so, again, you know, it, it allows us to as as C-suite members to to really connect and meet people that we probably never would have. In, in any other type of situation. 
So, yeah, we have wonderful programs at the C-Suite mm-hmm. Network. Uh, for all your listeners who haven't considered joining, please consider joining. Uh, so we have digital discussions, executive mm-hmm. briefings. So we have some really smart people like yourself who'll come and they'll speak on a particular subject to our members. And uh, with regard to my particular show, I, ho- I host those digital discussions mm-hmm. and, and I ask questions because that's my background coming mm-hmm. from being a host of my own right. show at the mm-hmm. Free. And C-Suite TV Insights, that show that I host, it gets picked up on some captive networks like United mm-hmm. Airlines and some other airlines. So I, I I like doing the video. I like podcasts. I like all the media. I like people getting out there and, and expressing themselves. Mm-hmm. I think that's what's important to me. Right. You know, and, and it, it was funny. Building their businesses. Making, yes, yes. Making money at the same time. Yeah. You know, and, and I was talking with another C-Suite member last week, and, and he said, you know, he wasn't sure. He said, you know, he'd been thinking about doing a podcast, wasn't sure, all these things. And I said, well, the, the first thing to do is to be a guest, you know, be a guest on several programs and figure out, do you even like it? Um, and then realize it's a, it is a lot of work. Um, you know, I thank heavens for my producer because she's the one who does the scheduling, the coordinating with the guests, all of those things. I still do my own editing um, because, you know, it's easier for me to do it than to try and tell somebody else what I need. It's just, well, you're, yeah. you're so yeah. good. I mean, frankly, I, we've been speaking for about, you know, a 45 minutes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It feels like no time has passed. And mm-hmm. if I was your editor, you're going to have a very easy job yeah. because yeah. quite frankly, everything's flown very well. Mm-hmm. And that's a testament to you and your ability to interview. And I think what the, the podcasting has done is when I was younger, basically you would watch, you know, Johnny Carson or, you know, mm-hmm. you, you had one guy right. who would interview, mm-hmm. right. And then maybe, you know, you would go see the talk shows, you know, uh, meet mm-hmm. the press or face the nation. Mm-hmm. So you, there were only a finite number of mm-hmm. interview shows. Mm-hmm. Now, if someone says, I like interviewing people, I mm-hmm. like asking questions and I'm an inquisitive person, mm-hmm. you can have a podcast and do it yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so what's so invigorating for people right mm-hmm. now is they say, you know something, right. I don't have to be uh, a gorgeous movie star. I don't have to be uh, a comedian. I just have something that I'm interested in mm-hmm. and it doesn't have to be business. I mean, mm-hmm. it could be, uh, it could be ornithological. It could be birds. Mm-hmm. It could, be, you know, it could. I be, was interviewed um, on the boob oh. report. Which one? <laughs> the boob report on breast cancer. Oh, okay. There you go. <laughs> but yeah, there's a podcast out there for everything. Yeah, and and I think that's it's great. And someone could be an expert in their own little world. You, you know, people don't always have to play to millions of people. Right. Even if you're if you're playing to to 50 or 100 people mm-hmm. whose opinions that you appreciate and whose mm-hmm. feedback that you're excited about, you know, that that's what's important. And right. I've put on movies that have played to full houses and I've put mm-hmm. on plays that have, you know, played to 10, 15 people. Mm-hmm. And when those 10, 15 people really love it and are so excited about it, you know, you have to take heart in that. Even right. though it wasn't 100 people, mm-hmm. those 15 people, you may have changed their lives mm-hmm. or just their evenings, but it's it's exciting to get that feedback. Right. And that's what podcasting offers mm-hmm. someone like yourself. Right. Well, I tell people, it's just like marketing. You know, you have to figure out who you need to market to. You know, for for everybody who says, well, golly, I want, you know, I want to be an influencer with 1 million fans. Eh, you know, yeah. if only 10 of them would actually buy what you're doing, then those are the 10 you're talking to, um, you know, and, and that's always, that's very hard for people to realize, okay, you know, what is my niche and how do I need to figure out those numbers? Um, but yeah, you need to, to really determine who it's is nice. It, it would be to. nice to speak to a million people. I know, I know. But it's just not, it's, it's not in it's, the it's, well. it's, Yeah. It's, 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 it's a long, it's a long shot that if it actually happens, right. it, it, it would be nice if, if, if mm-hmm. it came about that way. But once again, I think you you make a fantastic mm-hmm. point that, if you are speaking to people about butterflies and that's your subject and you get the best butterfly people right. in the world listening to your podcast, you, you have to be thrilled at when that comes about. Right. Yeah. And it might only be 10 people, but if they're the right 10 people, then that's what counts. I agree. So, you know, we've only got about five minutes left. What's in store? You know, we talked a little bit about, you know, maybe having some more in-person events and, and things like that, but but what's what do you see as, you know, or just in business in general? You know, what do we see coming up in the next year or two? I, I mean, I certainly think from New York, I think New York's going to open up very soon because New York City, you know, I'm just looking out uh, mm-hmm. and it's we've had a blizzard. We've had Omicron. Uh, so uh, it really we're we're 
as we move into the spring, you're going to see really soon New York, and I'll assume a lot of the other urban places mm-hmm. uh, that have been locked down a little bit more, I th- really think that they're going to pop. And I think mm-hmm. people are going to be very excited to get outside. So I think you're going to see more in-person meetings. Hopefully, as I said, mm-hmm. we'll see that at the C-Suite Network. Mm-hmm. And I think you, hopefully we'll start seeing more theater. As as mm-hmm. I said, I've written some plays. And I know in New York City, you're, you're seeing Broadway. The lights have really been dim or off mm-hmm. for a long time. I know. And that just breaks your heart. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, and it's such a, it, it is such a life, life source, life-affirming uh, place for people who come from out of town uh, all over the world to, to go to Broadway. And we only have about 10 shows that are open right now. Mm-hmm. So we need to get Broadway going back again. You need to get those actors working. And, and once, uh, once that starts happening, you, mm-hmm. you're going to see a lot of people will have, be in better moods, mm-hmm. uh, certainly in, in, in metropolitan mm-hmm. areas. And I know I will be as well. So mm-hmm. I think we, the warmer weather is going to help mm-hmm. and the, the lessening of Omicron, the theaters opening up, and I, I know that people start, you know, going back to restaurants and the restaurants having waiters to serve those people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's the tricky part well. now. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then hopefully uh, I'll start, I'll be inspired and then maybe I'll write something. Maybe I'll write a play or a movie or something to that effect. I love it. It'll, it'll get me going as well. Yes. Yes. You know, and, and of course it's interesting, <coughs> excuse me, here in Georgia, we never really shut down too much, um, you know, and, and so it's been kind of interesting, but yeah, you know, it's, uh, the, it, it, I think. And, it, and, and on the, along those lines, a dialing down of the political rhetoric and the political heat. Uh, I and, live the in Georgia. Uh, and the differences between Georgia and New York. I mean, the fact oh, that you're saying we never shut down and, and I'm saying that it's uh, still kind of uh, tight up here. I, I think I'd very much like to dial uh, that down as well. Yeah. And just get us oh, yeah. back one whole yeah. woven yeah. together United yeah. You know, and, and that that I think is going to be a challenge, um, you know, especially from a political perspective. I think it's going to take a while. But I think as you know, I think it was maybe the perfect storm to have a lot of that happen because we were isolated. And then we got in our head and, you know, we were watching whatever network, um, you know, and, and all of those things. And when we get back to being in person with people again. We can't call them idiots. Yeah, we can, but you might get punched. Yeah, um, yeah. I think that there's a there's a certain uh, freedom people think to say whatever they want because there's distance in between you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that uh, screen we, is a good shield. Yes, and anonymity when it comes to uh, Facebook or LinkedIn or right. or whatever or Instagram mm-hmm. or whatever those things are. Mm-hmm. I don't do use them that often. Mm-hmm. Uh, postings. There's a certain anonymity that people mm-hmm. think they can hide behind, and I think wh- I think it's a great point when people mm-hmm. are actually next to each other. The whole idea of a, a red state or a blue mm-hmm. state or what, whatever, right. you're, you're, it, it just kind of melts away mm-hmm. when it's, it's just mm-hmm. people. Yeah. What do we need to do to make things work, I think, is, is the thing. When people are less exasperated. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's it. So speaking of that, tell us how they find your book and buy your book. Thank you. You're, I'm going to hire you as my publicist. Uh, you can find my book, uh, Effing... Argentina and 10 more tales of exasperation. You could find it on Amazon mm-hmm. uh, and, or you can just Google that and uh, there's plenty of places to buy it. Mm-hmm. And the reviews have been good. We've had some five-star reviews. And as you said, it's a very quick read. Mm-hmm. One of the reviewers said is generally you find a short story, a book like this uh, in your, in your bathroom, but this one is so good. You can put it <laughs> on your night table. Oh, I love it. That's a, that's a very good review. Out of the toilet and into the bedroom. I love it. <laughs> there could be another story in there. Ah. Yes. Well, if someone wants to connect with you, how do they find you? I think I'm pretty Googleable as well. You can mm-hmm. find me on the C-Suite Network site mm-hmm. um, or, or Greg, G-R-E-G-G dot Greenberg, G-R-E-E-N-B-E-R-G at c-suitenetwork.com. You can find me there. Uh, and I'd love to hear from the folks who've read the book or maybe they've seen my movie, Friends and Romans, which is on uh, Amazon now. It used to be on Netflix, but mm-hmm. Friends and Romans is a very cute movie. You can watch mm-hmm. it with the kids if you like. Uh-huh. I highly recommend that. Mm-hmm. And then maybe I'll have a play at some point coming to a theater near you when all the theaters are opening. Yes. I don't know if I'll be on Broadway, but maybe I'll get to Broadway someday. That's a goal. I'll put that the- one out there for you. Dave. And then we're going to see you getting one of those trophies. Holy schmoly. <laughs> And we can say we knew you when. Yes. <laughs> As a, you knew me when I was working my way down to the middle. That's it. That's it. 
Well, Greg, you know, this really has been absolutely delightful. I am so glad that we did this. Um, and like I said, it's been fun getting to know you as the person. And, you know, and, and that's what's been so fun about this. I've had a great time, Deb. You've proven your skill once again as a fantastic interviewer because you did it with such a marginal interviewee like me. Oh, so thank you for having me on your show. Yeah, it's it's always fun to be on the other side of the microphone, right? You never, you yes. know, it's like, hey, this, it's very relaxing. I, I like it when I get interviewed. Good. Well, you are you are good on whichever side of the microphone. And thank you so much for, for everything. Well, do you have any final thoughts you want to leave everybody with? No. Once again, I reiterate what some, a lot of the, the topics that we discussed during the interview is uh, certainly everyone, uh, don't be afraid to pursue your creative passion at whatever age you're at. Uh, and I, I certainly have, and I found it tremendously rewarding. And I, it's something that I try and teach to my kids is don't worry that the other kids in the school want to put you in the jock lane or the theater lane. You get into whatever lane you want and you'll be a better person for it. And you'll be more fulfilled because of it. I love it. I love it. What a great way to leave. I'm Deb Creer. I've been having an absolutely fantastic time getting to know Greg Greenberg. And until next time, everyone have a great day. Tune in for our next program for even more trends, best practices, and techniques for how to make your business a success. The Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer, is proud to be part of the C-Suite Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>